Chapter Six of the Ghost Girl by Henry Kitchell Webster. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Six: Believing in Ghosts. But even as I stood there, staring dully at the thing that lay in the palm of my hand and glowed dully back at me with the impenetrable look of mystery Jade always has, the door from the reception room opened from behind me. I put the hand with the earring into my trousers pocket, turned, and faced Geoffrey. Did you meet Crow? I asked. He's just this minute gone. He shook his head. I heard you talking in here as I came by the door, so I waited. He made you quite a visit. Had he anything to say? Oh, he wanted to see the portrait, said I. He said Miss Meredith was waiting for it with a mixture of anxiety and dread. She'll probably have it in a few days, said Geoffrey. Richard seems to have no doubt about recovering it. He thinks he knows where it is where does he think it is i asked geoffrey shook his head he didn't tell me he asked me a few questions and jumped to a theory of his own i couldn't follow him it's the first time anything like that ever happened to me to be outguessed by a policeman i'm losing my wits i suppose of course i didn't ask him he walked moodily across to his morris chair and dropped into it with an air of utter lassitude and fatigue i hated to begin asking him questions poor geoffrey if the inextricable tangle of coincidences in which we were involved already terrified and bewildered him what would his condition be when he heard the rest when i told him the whole story of my conversation with dr crow and when i showed him the thing i had just put in my pocket the thing had to be done however geoffrey said i miss meredith and the doctor were terribly puzzled by that portrait puzzled i nodded geoffrey it's more like the original than the photograph was i expected his eyes to widen at that and his body to grow tense instead he answered indifferently enough what of it it ought to be more like you mean i suppose that any really great artist sees beneath the surface of things depicts an inner truth that inner truth be blowed interrupted geoffrey its surfaces i'm talking about a photograph of anything but a flat object is never by any possibility correct you can photograph an etching or the page out of a book or a set of working drawings with absolute accuracy but never anything in the round there is only one plane in a photograph that is in true focus everything that comes nearer than that plane is too big everything behind that plane is too small any competent draughtsman can correct a photograph and any competent portrait painter can paint from a photograph a portrait that is more like than the photograph itself his manner nettled me a little all the more because it was so rare with him of course he had some excuse for being irritable to-day and i might have remembered that any sort of culturine talk about art with a big a always made him impatient but he had made it easier than I had expected to speak about the earring. 
all right said i we'll let the inner truth be blowed as far as you like and get down to facts did you do anything beside correcting the drawing in the photograph beside did you paint anything in it that wasn't there did you make up anything and slap it in just to make the picture look better or harmonize or compose better or well for any other reason jeffrey he was looking at me keenly enough now what do you mean he asked what are you talking about dr crow said i expressed some curiosity about a light bluish-green streak in the shadow under the ear he wondered if it had been meant to represent an earring say a jade earring Geoffrey was on his feet now and his eyes were blazing did he ask that question himself just that way he demanded just that way Geoffrey. his excitement had infected me now and my question asked itself jerkily Geoffrey, was there a jade earring in the other portrait the one you found in your studio when you came back from Otopo? he didn't answer for a full minute and all the while his unseeing eyes never left my face all the power of his mind was concentrated in the struggle to reproduce and perfect a memory no he said at last it wasn't in the portrait but i can tell you where it was drew it was in the ear of the girl who stood beside me on the bridge that night at paris what did it look like i asked breathlessly once more he took his time about answering his eyelids narrowed to slits and the contracted pupils were no bigger than pinpoints there was a tiny ring which pierced the lobe of the ear he said and below that a small perfect sphere of jade below that was a long rounded tapering pendant it's as clear to me as if i had it in my hand like this i asked and i took my hand out of my pocket there in my palm lay the thing he had described the moment i uncovered it i regretted having sprung this last mine in so theatrical a fashion had i not been as excited as he i shouldn't have done it because i really feared that the shock of this last could i call it a coincidence might do him a serious injury my own brain was reeling with the weird incredible extravagance of it and to me the whole thing came at second hand what would it be to him who had felt the unknown undiscoverable presence in his paris studio who had found the portrait painted there who had seen the photograph of the same face and had learned that it was the face of a girl who was dead a whole year before that ghostly portrait had been painted i stood there for a minute not daring to look at him fearing that there might break any moment on my ears a burst of maniacal laughter but utterly to my astonishment what i did hear was a long deep breath of the most intense relief thank the lord said Geoffrey. he took the earring from my hand carried it over to the light and subjected it to a minute careful scrutiny 
i noticed that he was rubbing a finger over its smooth cool surface as if the actual material feeling of it were an intense satisfaction to him then he tucked it into his pocket pulled himself up on a high painting stool and hooked his heels into the rungs he was a new man again rather he was the old man the man he had been before he went to paris and had never been since he gave his head a rueful shake i've had a scare drew the worst i ever had in my life i didn't even dare tell you how bad it was that will have to be my apology for the way i treated you this morning now that it's over i'll try to make amends let's go to lunch richards won't be here for an hour or two then for the first time he seemed to notice the astonishment that had held me speechless but that i am sure must have shown in my face what's the matter with you he asked don't you understand i can understand the scare all right said i but why you should say it is over now is beyond me i was almost afraid to show you that earring i was afraid it might finish you it's pretty near finished me he smiled at me his old amused irrepressible smile man said i the girl was dead and you saw her one might have explained the portrait but it wasn't in the portrait that you saw the earring it was in the ear of the girl herself and she was dead and yet you described the earring in the most minute detail oh come along to lunch said Geoffrey. i'm hungry as a hod carrier when they blow the whistle i'll tell you all about it across the corner of a square meal and no persuasion of mine could get another word out of him until we were fairly seated in a nearby restaurant and had sent away the waiter with an order that did ample justice to Geoffrey's boast about his appetite by the way said Geoffrey, you haven't told me where you got that earring no said i rather sulkily as long as you have solved the mystery so easily without that information i don't see why you should want it Geoffrey smiled again and reached over and patted me on the arm there is some sort of magic in Geoffrey's touch in this case it wiped away my resentment as a sponge wipes the writing off a slate crow left it said i left it crow oh quite involuntarily he had his gloves on and he was fishing in his card-case for a card with his address on it i had his address said Geoffrey. his confidence in you as a letter-writer is very limited said i and he said he really wanted an explanation of that green streak in the shadow under the ear he relied on me to get it for him the earring must have been in his card-case and when he fished out his card he dropped it that's a very soft thick rug and it didn't make any noise crow said Geoffrey thoughtfully crow i wonder if he will turn out to be the beginning i wonder if the first step in our mystery lies his way the first step i cried then you haven't solved it solved it said Geoffrey, i haven't tried to solve it haven't begun to solve it but i protested up there in the studio you said you had had a bad scare but it was over yes said Geoffrey. 
the scare was over and the mystery begun can't you see what a relief it is to know that it is a mystery what do you suppose it was that i was afraid of that i had seen a ghost why something like that said i i am perfectly willing to see a ghost said jeffrey if i can be convinced that it is a ghost an outside ghost somebody else's ghost as well as mine the thing that terrified me was that i couldn't prove even to myself that it was anything more than a kink in my own mind a bunch of hallucinations and obsessions of my own producing the sort of things that make the alienists rich but now i know that what i saw on the bridge that night in paris was either a live woman or an honest ghost i'm going to find out which it was whichever it was that earring crow was so curious about lets me out no two people ever have exactly the same mania and he is evidently as curious about the thing that wore the earring as i am he or miss meredith said i yes he or the mysterious miss meredith geoffrey assented for the present we'll consider them one person and that one person dr crow now let us try to figure out crow's position this is going to be logic which is your department so you will have to correct me if i go wrong crow gets me to paint a portrait we don't know why he came to me i didn't want to paint it and he insisted the question is had he any reason for insisting beyond the fact that his client was rich and that i was fashionable we have no means of answering that question yet i didn't tell him where my studio was the last time i spent a winter in paris but he might have found it out from someone else and if he knew i cried he might have thought that in that particular place you might see something he might have wanted to try his experiment exactly said geoffrey but we can't build upon that yet that's got to stay in the question column anyhow i paint the portrait and the portrait shows some data which were not contained in the photograph he gave me he looked at me thoughtfully what did he begin on he asked did he begin with the earring no said i he began by trying to find out if you couldn't have met the girl if you hadn't been in paris during the time she was there during the time she lived there geoffrey corrected i nodded you satisfied him that was impossible he asked completely said i it was as perfect an alibi as you ever saw and then geoffrey went on he asked said i if you hadn't been to paris two years ago after the girl had died he commented i pointed that out to him said i but still i thought he held his breath while he waited for my answer so that he evidently thought it possible said geoffrey that i might have seen her after she was dead i wonder if dr crow believes in ghosts he said he did said i what he said that everybody did that would include him i suppose your logic is flawless said geoffrey but how did he come to make that observation it was quite casual said i i happened to say that i wondered if shakespeare believed in them casually oh yes he said something about hamlet that put it in my head 
i suppose the subject never was very far out i wish i'd seen him said jeffrey why do you make so important a matter of it i asked jeffrey looked at me with a rueful little frown that had half a smile in it because my dear drew said he if dr crow doesn't believe in ghosts then he has got some reason for doubting that claire meredith is really dead he suspects i saw something if he is perfectly sure it couldn't have been a ghost i saw then he must know that it is possible that what i saw was the living woman there was a moment's silence then jeffrey brought his hand down suddenly but softly on the table and then the earrings he whispered crow has the earrings or he had till he dropped one of them this morning if it isn't a ghost i saw on the bridge she had the earrings then if crow doesn't believe in ghosts then he has seen the living woman since i did how do you make that out i asked why you idiot he cried how else did he get them from her he has them now she had them then unless she was dead then and buried in a ghost that i saw we'd have taken a long step in our mystery if we could be sure whether dr crow believed in ghosts or not End of chapter 6